So the reading this morning is the parable of the lost son. And you'll find this in Luke chapter 16, starting at verse 11. And it's on page 1049 in the Bibles in the pews. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms round him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Here ends the lesson. 
Good morning. Uh, I'm Josh. Uh, I'm part of the little Cornhill team that's been with you guys uh, over the past few days, and I've really, really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed getting to know some of you people uh, and just spending some time with you. I would definitely love to come back uh, and spend some more time here, so we'll see what we can uh, do in the future, but I've really enjoyed uh, my time uh, here. Um, and this passage is a really exciting passage, and I, I want to start by asking you a question this morning. Um, have you ever wanted to be part of something? Have you ever felt, I would really like to be part of that little group? Maybe it's a group of friends. Maybe at school you really wanted to be part of this little group of friends. Maybe uh, it's a family you wish you see a really nice family in church. I would love to be part of that family in church. Maybe it's somewhere you would like to work for, a really cool corporation. Maybe it's a football team you would like to support. I I don't know what's good uh, to support in, is it Manchester or is it Liverpool? I'm not sure where you guys, football, I don't know much about football. It's always hard to take sides not knowing your audience because you might get stones thrown at you. Um, uh, One group I had the pleasure of going along to this week was the ladies' uh, friendship group, and I had a lovely time. If I was at this church, I, I wish I was actually a lady so I could go to that group, so I could hang out with those gals. It was really good fun, uh, and there was also cake, so that might have helped a little bit as well. But today I want to ask you, have you ever wanted to be part of God's family. We've been thinking this week about friendship with God, and I would love to intensify that and say not only can you be friends with God, but you can also be part of God's family. And our reading today that we just heard that was so well read for us is a parable that Jesus told. Now, it's not just a nice story. It is a really nice story, but a parable is a story that's based in reality about real things, but it has a heavenly meaning. Its meaning relates to God. So everything we read in this parable actually relates to God, and hopefully as we go through it, we'll see how it relates to God and what God is trying to teach us through it. And I would love this morning for you to grasp this little lesson, is don't be left outside the party. Join God's family. Whenever I was thinking about this parable, I went, what, what will I speak to these guys about? And I went, parable of the lost son. Really, really nice story. Really nice parable. And then I went, wait a minute. Uh, this is, this is the, the sermon I heard preached when I decided that I would love to be part of God's family, when I wanted to be God's friend. So this parable is really special to me. It's something that I heard, something that I, I listened to. I've seen God's love. I've seen God's desire to be friends with me. And I went, yeah, I want that. And maybe today you have made that decision. Maybe today you are a Christian, and that's good. That's so amazing. And we'll see that God is so happy whenever people join his family. And maybe you're going, well, what is there to learn? If you're talking about being part of God's family, I am part of God's family. What is there for me this morning? And I suppose what I would love if you're a Christian this morning is just for you to remember how great God's love is for you. Remember that time when you said, yes, God, I want to be in your family. Remember that time when you first made that decision. Uh, Before we get stuck in, let's just pray together and ask God to help us. Uh, Father, we thank you for your love for us this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Bible. And Lord, we ask you that you would help us to understand everything in it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're introduced to a story about two sons, a father with two sons. And the first little section of the story starts with a shocking request. Look down at verse 12. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. This son wants his inheritance. This sounds like a a perfectly normal request, but it's actually a little bit cheeky. 
This son is asking for his father's money. He's asking for what actually should be his when his father passes away. He's more or less saying to his dad, Dad, I I don't want to be part of your family anymore. I don't want to be your son. I don't want to live in the same house as you. I don't even want to know you. It's time that I got up. It's time that I moved away from home, that I explore life by myself, and I find my way in it. He's more or less saying to his dad, I I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead and I just had your money. And that's really quite cheeky. That's really not very nice. But the Bible tells us that's a little bit like us, like humanity as a whole, that we have all rebelled against God, our loving Father. In our own ways, we have said, you know, God, I'm off. I want to explore and I want to investigate life by myself. I want to live outside your rules. I'm going to find my own way in life that's independent from you. The Bible teaches us that we've all gone astray. It actually says we're like sheep, that we've wandered away from God, that all men are guilty of this, that we have sinned against God. A shocking request. But the second bit is even more shocking because how does the father reply? He says, yes. Wow. You know, if I was that dad, I'd be like, catch yourself on. Go, get out of my house. Chase the son away for asking such a rude and presumptuous thing. But the father says, yes. He goes out. He sells his land, he sells his property, and he gives to the son what is rightfully his. He's a generous dad. And that reminds us of God too, because even though we've all rebelled against God that we have sinned, God is still really good to us. God still lets us live. He gives us love, he gives us family, he gives us clothes. We can, we can breathe on the planet that he's created for us. So even though we're separate from God, even though that we have torn our relationship apart with God, God is still generous and God still loves us so much. So the son has this request, the father says yes, and the son sets out ready for his big adventure, big water cash in his hand, ready to explore all that life can offer him. And it's interesting where he goes. It says that he's going to a far-off land. Verse 13, set off for a distant country. It sounds a bit like a fairy tale, doesn't it? That's how a fairy tale begins, doesn't it? Like a land far, far away that you might think, wow, this one's going to make it. This one's going to have a really happy ending. But in fact, it's, it's not going to turn out so good. You might think this is the son's big break in life. He's got his father's money. He's going to go out. He's going to have a good life. But it doesn't end so well for him. Maybe a few weeks Months or even a few days later, we see the son in quite a sorry state. And he's spent all his money. He's partied all his money away. He's drank it away. He's slept with prostitutes, the older son will tell us later. He's wasted all the father has given to him, and he has nothing. And the timing of this couldn't be any worse, because we're in the middle of a famine in the country he's in. There's no food. There's nothing for him to drink. Oh, there's not, sorry, there's nothing for him uh, to eat. He's no money. He's really quite low. And he's down and out. Truly, he is a desperate son. But he's maybe quick-witted, so he says, I'm going to get a job. He gets a job. And what does he do? He begins to feed pigs. And I don't know if you know anything about Jewish law, but in Jewish law, the pigs are uh, not... A, they don't see pigs as being a great animal. They see pigs as being unclean. And if you touch a pig or if you work with pigs as a person, as a Jew, you're considered unclean. So this son is actually making himself, according to Jewish law, unclean by working with these animals. And to become clean again, you need to be ceremoniously clean. You need to go to the priest and the priest will cleanse you and make you clean again. This son is defiling himself. And the crowd listening to this parable, which we'll get to in a second, 
It's probably going, this guy has really hit rock bottom. Not only has he run away from his dad, not only has he wasted all his money, but he's even working with pigs. And it gets worse than that, because not only has this son working with pigs, he's so desperate, he's so hungry, that he even contemplates eating some of the pig's food. I have seen pig's food before, and I don't really want to eat it, to be quite honest with you. That's how down and that's how out, that he's nearly reduced to eating pig food. But then he has a big thought, and it's a great thought. He thinks, you know, life was actually quite good for me in my father's house. I, I could go back. I'm going to go back. Yes, I'll, I'll go back to my father, but mm, I've disgraced him. I, I have embarrassed him in front of his friends, in front of his family. He'll never let me back into his family. I can never be his son again. But I, I could be a servant. I could work for him. He could pay me, and I could pay him back all the money I owe him. The son feels his guilt. Look down at verse 18 with me. Verse 18 says, I have sinned against heaven and against you. That's the words this son's going to say to his dad. Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. He knows his sin and he's going to his father hoping for forgiveness. So with that thought in mind, the son picks himself up off the pigsty floor and he travels back home. And this is the bit I love. The son is walking up the driveway to the house. And where is his father? His father's waiting for him, watching for him. I wonder how many days the father spent there wondering, is this the day my son's going to come home? Is this the day I'm going to see my son again? How many months went by before this day happens? And I, I imagine the father's excitement standing there and finally seeing his son coming over the horizon, the excitement and the joy that he would have felt. His son is home. And the Bible tells us that he's full of compassion for his son. He's full of compassion for him. I'm no expert in biblical fashion customs. Um, I'm not really much an expert in modern day fashion either. Uh, But I would imagine the dad is probably wearing something like a big dress, like a tunic. And we see this beautiful picture of this dad getting down, pulling his tunic up and running towards his son. This was the son that disgraced him the son that wished he was dead, the son that took one-third of his property away from him. And yet that, this, this father is so excited, he picks up his tunic and he begins to run towards his son. Another thing about Jewish custom is that men didn't run. Maybe kids run, maybe women run, but respectable men don't run. But this guy doesn't care. He doesn't care what people think of him. He doesn't care what the neighbors might say on seeing him running. He loves his son and he wants to get to his son as quick as he can. And what does he do when he gets to his son? Now you might think he might want to scold him or tell him off or ignore him. He doesn't. He puts his arms around his son. He kisses him. He embraces him in love. Even though even everything his son has done, his father still has a great love and compassion for him. The son readies his speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. What do we expect to happen next? Do we expect the father to say, oh, yeah, you're right, actually, you don't deserve to be my son? Uh, so far, the father's been loving and compassion, and he continues that. Look what he does. Look at verse 22. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate how does this father respond to his son coming home? He throws a party. 
He throws a massive party for his son. He gets all the neighbors around, all the servants, the rest of his family around, and they throw a party because this son who was once lost is now back where he belongs. This dad is one happy guy that his son has come back. Let's zoom out a little second, and we're still in the story that Jesus is telling. Let's look at who Jesus is speaking to. Uh, if you go to the very start of chapter 15, uh, the big 15 in, in the Bible, um, and verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Who were the crowd? Tax collectors and sinners. Now, tax collectors weren't very nice people. Uh, they were seen by the Jews to be taking their money and giving it away to the Romans, so they weren't very like, much like tax people still aren't very much like today for taking our money and giving it to the government. Uh, yep, still stands. Uh, and who are these sinners in the crowds? These are pe- probably people who are a bit taboo, people that you wouldn't normally want to hang around with, people who were thieves, people who were outcasts from society, people who were prostitutes, people who didn't have a religion. People who were like the younger brother, loved to live wild. And people who were unclean in the sight of the Jews. People you might think could never have a relationship with God, who could never be his friend, who could never be part of his family. Yet they're the people that Jesus is talking to with the younger son. They're the people that Jesus is speaking directly to, telling them that when they realize their need for God, when they realize that they've sinned against heaven and against their father in heaven, that God wants to embrace them. That when they come to the point of realizing, you know, I, I have sinned against God, that's the point at which Jesus wants them to realize God's arms are open wide for them. They can come to him and be embraced. God can welcome any sort of sinner into his family. God says to sinners, don't stand outside the party. Come in and be part of the family, part of my family. And what's the reason God can welcome sinners into his family? It's because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he died bearing the brunt and the guilt of my sin. And because that's dealt with, when I heard this parable taught so many years ago, when I was 11, uh, I decided to put my trust in Jesus. When I heard this taught, I realized that Jesus had died for me, that he had forgiven me for my sin. And because I was unclean in my sin, I was now clean in the sight of God, and I could come to him and be made part of his family. I wonder about you today. Maybe you're not part of the family of God. God is waiting for you just like he waited for that son, longing for you to come and confess so that he can embrace you, say, welcome to the family. Won't you come to him who truly cares for you? We're not quite done yet. Keep holding on. Uh, We're going to go back uh, to the start of the chapter. And we see some other people in the crowd. Who else do we have? We have the tax collectors. We have the sinners. But we also have some Pharisees. And who are Pharisees? Well, they're the teachers of the law, kind of the ancient day equivalent to vicars or to priests. And they would have been very religious people, people who would have thought that, yeah, I'm definitely part of God's family. I'm definitely in that party. But often in the Bible, we see the Pharisees being kind of portrayed as the bad guys, people who are opposed to Jesus, people who are opposed to God. And here we also see that. And Jesus is as much speaking to the sinners in the crowd telling them to come to Jesus as he is talking to the religious people, telling them to come to Jesus. And the religious people's problem with Jesus is the company that he's keeping, the tax collectors and the sinners. They think it's ridiculous that Jesus would want to spend his time with these people. 
Jesus seems to know a lot about God. He even says he is God. So why would God want to know some of these people? They're a bad bunch. They've been disobedient to God. I'm a Pharisee, a teacher of God's law, someone who has lived a godly life. I've followed all the rules. If anyone deserves to know God or go to heaven, it's me. This Jesus guy just seems to be letting anybody in. Why would he be doing that? We're going to go back to the other brother. Sometimes we always forget about him. We focus so much on the younger brother, we forget about the older one. Um, I'm not going to read it out, but look down, uh, and we're going to be focusing chapters, or sorry, verses 25 to 32 um, at the end for the next few minutes. We here we see the older brother probably walking on in the fields, and he hears dancing, he hears music, so he goes into the house, and he asks us everyone, "What's going on? Why, why is there music playing? Why is there dancing happening?" And he's told that his younger brother is back, that he's been welcomed back into the family. And the older son is furious. Why had his father just let this scandalous, wild-living brother back into the family? He's got his share of the money. He's left. Why has he been allowed back? He's so furious that this brother refuses to go to the party, and he waits outside the door. And then we see, again, the generous, loving father who goes to his son, uh, just like he ran towards his other son, he runs towards this son, and he pleads with him, he begs with him, please, come to the party, son, your brother is home, isn't this great news? Look at how happy I am, look how happy and joyful I am, come on, join in at the party, celebrate that this son has come back to his father. But still, sadly, the other son refuses. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, I've never disobeyed your orders, Yet you never even give me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And in this moment, we see this better looking, this more mature, kind of culturally impressive son show his true colors and expose himself. You might think that he's the good guy in this story, but he's really not. He's the one that is just interested in the father's property, in the father's money as well. He's quite like this younger brother. They just want what they can get from their father. They don't care about him. They don't love him. They just want their inheritance. And this sounds exactly like those Pharisees. Because whenever they see Jesus reaching out to the sinners, to the people that really needed them, they got jealous and therefore they stood outside the party. This is, this is not fair. I'm not going to celebrate with these guys. God shouldn't be letting those people into heaven. I know what's right. I'm not going to rejoice. I'm going to stand outside the party. The last little bit is about the father's response. The father tells the son that he is loved. That everything the father has is his. The father doesn't love the younger more than the older. He loves them both the same. And as I said before, these sons are very similar. There's a a famous Christian pastor in America called uh, Timothy Keller, and he's written a a great little book on this story. Uh, And he says these sons are very similar. They both want the father's money, but they go about it in two different ways. Uh, First, we see the young son, and he says, this guy, Timothy says, this guy is the self-discoverer. 
The guy that says, I'm going to go out, I'm going to find out what life's all about for me, I'm going to go and have a great time, and maybe then I'll consider maybe seeing what religion's like. I want to go out and experience all the pleasures I possibly can. And then we have the older son, who thinks that if he follows all the rules, if he's obedient to his father, he'll get what he wants. That the father has a right to give him stuff because he's a good person, because he's moral, because he follows the rules. He's a moral conformist. Maybe those are two life positions you can relate to. Maybe you've lived a wild life, or maybe you've always followed the rules. You might think there are many ways to get to know God's, but to get an invite to this party, the party that rejoices over sinners coming back to God, you have to be like that young son who came to his senses and realized that he has to go to his father, say sorry for his sin, and ask for forgiveness. I was talking to Julia early in the week, and I was saying, you know what, the amazing thing is about being friends with God is that God really wants to be your friend. And it's not like God isn't like a person you have to convince to be your friend or try really hard to be your friend. The fact is that God is waiting for you, just like that father waiting for his young son, standing waiting for you to say, yeah, yeah, God, I I want to be your friend. I want to be part of your family. It's something that God desires and something he longs for. God wants you inside that party. This parable is quite a sad ending. Uh, We see the older son still outside the party. He doesn't give in to his father's requests. He's still standing outside. And I wonder today, are you content with being outside of the party? Or will you run to the father, confess your sin, get that hug and loving embrace that he can offer you, and become part of his family? God would absolutely love you to do that. Let's pray, just to finish. Uh, Father, we thank you for this uh, lovely parable. We thank you, Lord, that you are a loving father who desires every sinner to come to know you. Father, we ask you, Lord, that we would have the bravery, that we would have the courage to say, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I want to run to you because we know, Father, that you will always accept us. You will never turn us away. And Father, we just pray for us as Christians, some of us here today, we pray, Lord, that we would never forget the love that you have for us, that we would always remember it and we would always treasure it. For it's in your name we ask this. Amen.